This call is being recorded. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Lockdown Browns brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Show itself at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. DMs are open, as everybody knows. Ideas, questions for the show here. Um, we're going to get into our you know PFF under the lens here with John Costco today. And most importantly, as to this point, um, thank you to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, big thank you to the Cincinnati Bengals. The scenario still playing out where even though we are talking about right now currently about your last place Cleveland Browns, we are also talking about your Cleveland Browns who are still very much possibility alive to be AFC North champions. Um, this will more unfold. For anybody who doesn't truly understand, obviously it's going to come down to the Chiefs-Bengals game on Sunday. Um, and if you know the Chiefs can continue the friendship towards the Cleveland Browns, then the final 17 games of the NFL season, which would begin that Monday night, Browns beat the Steelers. We get into final Sunday of the NFL, where the Cleveland Browns would be hosting the Cincinnati Bengals in a matchup of winner takes the AFC North. So it's insane as this first 15, I'm sorry, 16 weeks of the NFL season has been to this point. Uh, for your Browns, ups, downs, certainly a lot of downs, still alive. Um, John, Saturday, Green Bay. Um, I think if you just say right off the bat, wow, Browns lost 24-22 in Lambeau Field. Not bad. Not bad at all. But once you get basically under the microscope here, and I think for me, and, you know, obviously we'll get into this guys as far as grades and some of that stuff. I know there's some players, everybody's listening. You go to that first drive, and for me, this has been something, and the only other time I really remember seeing it like this as far as coming out of the gates was the Thursday night game against the Broncos. But it was – you had no idea what was coming. It was a great mixture of everything. It was off balance as far as, you know, nothing seemed predicated. You know, we've seen now this Coach Stefanski system for almost two full seasons. But that first drive, he came out to shoot. You know, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, Jarvis obviously looks as healthy as he's been this entire season. Um, you know everybody's keying on Nick Chubb. So, hey, as opposed to keying him on the backfield, let's dupe you all into a screen pass. But for me, and, you know, I know there's still people, you know, the game, the call, look, the quarterback, everything could be better. Let's just oh, – we can all agree that everything could be better. But – statistically maybe not there at the end and certainly to Baker certainly had you know, more downs than ops Saturday in Lambeau, but you saw a team and you saw an offensive scheme, John, that seemed more reminiscent of one that had a lot of success in 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about it from the opening drive and you, you pretty much take away Baker's interceptions and like this offense was clicking in all similars. It probably looked as good as it has all year long. Um, and, so there, there was a lot of encouraging signs with that. Like this is the best game that the Browns running backs have, have had all year long running it. Um, run blocking across the board was really, really solid. It wasn't the, the best of the season, but it was, you know, a top five performance by the, by the offensive line from a run blocking standpoint. Um, and as, like I said, essentially outside of, you know, the, the interceptions, I mean, they, they were moving the ball up and down the field. Um so you know, from 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 that perspective, you're you're thinking, all right, maybe you know, maybe they have figured something out in terms of just like, you know, kind of sequencing of, of play calling, um, getting everybody on the same page, 
executing their assignments. Um, it, it looked really good. It looked like kind of what you expected this offense to look like minus, like I said, but you know, we, we can, I don't want to beat the beat that into submission there with, with Baker's interceptions, but it, it was, you know, they had 0.529 EPA per rush, right? That's like a monster. That's a monster number for, for rushing it, you know, attack, you know, you're averaging over eight yards per carry and stuff like that. So um, just, just the, the down to down success that they had, was good. I mean, I think it's encouraging if you're looking at can they can they win these next two games. That in itself is really encouraging for the last two games of the season to try, try to make that push into playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I you you didn't ex- like for me, I wasn't expecting them to win this game, right? So, like the final score of twenty four twenty two, you're thinking, all right, whatever. You, you're thinking that's that would have been a lot closer than what I thought going into this game. It's just kind of obviously how it played out is you know more heartbreaking devastation. Joe Batonio, second week in a row, force into action as the Browns left tackle and Mr. John Costco. It went how well? It, it, I mean, it went pretty well. It's not as good as the, the first week. Um, he did give up a sack. Um, there was, I know that they, I know that it looked like he gave up two sacks and, and was beaten up more, but the problem was interior offensive line from pass protection, Michael Dunn was really bad he get, he was getting a lot of push in the interior of that pocket making baker mayfield have to step back further into the pocket deeper than what he'd like which is you know what the offense tackle is doing you're running him deep into the pocket so um it made him look worse than what it did from a you know first run standpoint but baker uh joel batonio's grade 82.6 uh really solid there Run blocking is in 89.3, pass protection 79.8. So it wasn't as good as last week where he was a, he graded in the 90s. Uh, but like from a left tackle perspective, like he looks like a viable left tackle. Um, you know, he, it's, he went up against Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby last week. He, this, this week is Rashawn Gary, uh, Preston Smith. He looking really good as a left tackle. You, you know, you might even think about reconsidering how how you you retool that offense line if you have to keep making some moves that you know you've got a guy there that um you know he's an elite left guard and he almost kind of looks like an elite left tackle so I, he's he's been he's been really good there we and this yeah, i can't believe we're actually probably going to open this pandora's box again this all season and go back to this one more time um but the question may be you know is it a lot easier and look it, it's I don't even think it's a knock on Jedrick Wills, but if you know he was an elite right tackle coming out and we still don't know the tail, essentially, as far as him being a left tackle, it's still it's definitely something to consider. Nick Harris, first career start as a center for the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, you see the movement abilities and, you know, we've talked about J.C. Treader in the past and it's nothing is a knock on J.C. Treader, but it's starting to be, you know, a realization of what the situation is. Um, this guy has got, basically got so much borrowed time on this knee as it is to begin with. So it's really, really hard to say, you know, because it seems for J.C. Treader, it just might be one of those things where it's it's very quickly over. And this is usually what happens when your knee is as bad as, you know, J.C. Treader's is. And to his credit, not many people really know about this or even truly understand it. But Nick Harris, first start as a center for your Cleveland Browns. This was a really encouraging first start. So his grade was a 70, uh, pass protection 75, run blocking 67. So, um you know, I, I think you couldn't have asked for a better performance from him in terms of his first career start. Um, and, you know, you talk about what he was at, you know, how he played in college. He was one of, he was one of the best pass protecting centers in, in college football that year um, and excelled in, in the zone scheme. 
So like he fits what the system is um, and what you, you ask out of your center. Um, and, and, you know, is he going to be the, the intelligent guy that JC Treader is? No. Um, he's obviously going to be more healthy at this point. He's a younger, he can grow into this. So if he can continue to grow into that role, um, you know, because you're, you're always thinking about this, the future, right? Like, cause of JC Cheddar's injuries and like, yeah, like you said, not a lot of people know about how bad his knee is. Um, he's basically like just living on borrowed time. I think at this point with, with how bad, you know, his, his, his knee is like, he's, um, basically, you know, you could probably put him in crutches or whatever is how bad his knee is. And I think he, I think Nick Harris stepped in admirably. Um, and it gives you encourage, you know, uh, an encouraging future outlook in terms of what he could be when when the Browns do decide to move on from J.C. Treader, you know, maybe when J.C. Treader t- decides to retire. Um, I wouldn't rest your laurels on just one game, but it's an encouraging first game. And look, and there's going to be you know decisions to be made on that offensive line and some talks around this offensive line, exactly how they're going to take this going further. Um, you know, and you know, the Jack Conklin things, at, at, you know, it's for the amount of money that was invested into it, the amount of time that Jack Conklin's missed and what he's currently going through. Certainly, you know, it gives you some pause and hesitation and certainly some thoughts are going to have to be done on what you can do for the offensive line going forward. One thing we've talked and talked and talked about lack of wide receiver, um, you know, production or, you know, being involved. Um, I've, that went away this week. Um, I think we finally, everybody kind of got to see the thought process in the selection of Anthony Schwartz, what exactly he can do for you even if sometimes the two handoffs are going to be more important essentially than what he can give you in the receiving game, you have to bank for somebody being on the field who runs four, three did catch a touchdown pass Richard Higgins for whatever that situation is. And it's probably another situation that'll be over at the end of the season. There's something there. He can find holes. He and Baker have somewhat of a rapport. You've got to find a way to get something on the field to produce. And, you know, look, Jarvis in, to his credit, and you know, I, I know there were some people. You know, what Jarvis Landry is an absolute gamer. He gives you everything he has every time he goes out there. And now that he is probably at peak health, you're certainly getting you know the best of Jarvis Landry here. Um, as far as you know, what he can do, and you know, it, it's never going to be a speed thing. It's just going to be the fact that he can explode and be quick in and out of his cuts because he's one of you know he, he absolutely has ridiculous route running ability when he is at full strength. Limited speed is sometimes the cause of the issue there. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, not so much here, but the two penalties, um, you know, not called penalties, which led to interceptions. Uh, A, you got to find a better way to get people off of you. Um, B, not a lot of this is Donovan Peoples-Jones' fault. I mean, he was catapulted into a wide receiver one duty, even though the young man certainly was not ready for it. Yeah, DPJ is probably better suited as a number two or a three type guy receiver for, for the team. And, you know, if you look going into the season, that's what he was um, with, with OBJ, you know, expected to be the number one. And so you need, you definitely need a guy that's going to be the number one guy that can, you know, that, that, that post route that he dropped, that has to be caught. That has absolutely has to be caught. Um, the, the first interception of the game. Yeah. That should have been called as a flag. But at the same same time, Baker shouldn't have thrown that into double coverage. Um, he should have been throwing it to that to the, the deep over to Rashard Higgins, who was wide open. So, like, yes, you want him to do a better job of get, being able to get off that contact. But you would you have to argue also at the same time, both those should have been flagged as as pass interference or or illegal contact or what have you. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that he he plays slower than the the speed he is. Um, I think the. I think the game hasn't sped up for him, right? Like 
that was, you know, when you coming out of, out of college, one of the issues for him is that he, he didn't look as fast as what he tested out at, not as that, that is explosive receiver. And I think that's kind of, you know, holds true in the NFL. And, um, you know, I think you can obviously live with a guy like that as your your two or three. You know, probably more comfortable as your as your number three type guy or whatever. But you need, you know, if, you know, if you just take you take the, the the Browns receiving core and you just kind of put like Devontae Adams as your number one there, like that would improve that. I mean, it would look like the Packers receiving core because you know Allen is you know Allen Lazard and Donovan Peoples Jones are similar type of guys. I'd say body types and styles. Um, you know, they have their, uh, you know, the the slot receiver that's kind of similar to a Jarvis Landry. I'd say they're obviously Jarvis Landry's better than, a, you know, a Randall Cobb or a uh, um, Amari Rogers or, you know, whoever, you know, Equinanius St. Brown type guys or whatever. But I think you you would have a massively improved, this this receiving unit would look way better, kind of like what the Packers unit, unit look, looks like right now. So I think, um, you know, they'll, they'll, probably look they got to look for for number one a number one type wide receiver this offseason if they want to be able to elevate this unit because um you know it is what it is you you can't rely on on a donovan people's jones who doesn't who can't separate on a consistent basis and then when he does he's dropping he's like he's not he's not catching his, his target so um yeah th- there's got to be improvement there for sure uh, certainly going to be, you know, something, uh, you know, to watch for here as, you know, we go into the off season and those things, but look, as we said, this regular season is not over. Um, you know, it's going to come down to one game, see whether or not the Browns will end up with the possibility of controlling their own destiny after a slip, a slippery sloppy for 16 weeks in the NFL, John Costco in for your under the lens edition of locked on Browns. We're going to get back here. We're going to flip it up. I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball here where, Again, just an absolute impressive, impressive showing by the Cleveland Browns defense. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. High in protein, though. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie? Cherry or double chocolate? Cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw into your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's the season of peace and love, let's not bring up our favorite Built Bar flavor at family gatherings. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it, and things could get a little out of hand. And keep in mind, alcohol flowing. Maybe those tensions are running high already to begin with. Are you friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of the Built Bar flavor. Plus, you have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple of napkins on hand. You might get a little messy. You like some of those marshmallow treats around the holidays? You need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They are light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Taste so good, you will not believe they are filled with protein. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. John, I didn't truly think about this until 
Actually, Pete had brought it up when we were doing the post-game show. You went into this on the defensive side of the ball. And now you want to talk about major acquisitions that were made on the defensive side of the ball. John Johnson did not play. Jadavian Clowney did not play. Tack McKinley did not play. Troy Hill did not play. Greg Newsom did not play. That's five guys that you had, obviously, an extensive amount of playing time lined up for. Um, a lot of interest. So you keep in mind that those guys were unavailable. Miles Garrett was out there for one reason and one reason only. Name value. That is literally the only – if Jadavian Clowney had went, had been able to go, I wonder if Miles Garrett maybe would not have played on Saturday. You put him out there to say people are going to say there's number 95. We've got no choice. We've got to take care of him. Obviously, Miles limited, um, but certainly there for his team in a situation where they absolutely needed him. If you want to throw Malik McDowell into that mix, however, that works out. Of course, he was not available Saturday either. But you look at what they were able to do. And this is, John, without getting much pass rush, but they tackled well. They were physical. Um, you know, if there's one question I may have at Joe Woods was, you know, blitzing and let's ending up a scenario in the red zone where it was Richard LeCount versus Devontae Adams one-on-one. But let's be honest. I don't know if there's any defensive back in the NFL if you're going nine yards you know, from the nine-yard line in the red zone, you want on Devontae Adams because we've seen him pretty much school everybody. Um, and just one thing on Devontae Adams, the weirdest thing when I watch Devontae Adams play, and this is maybe a measure of his greatness, is he plays bigger than he looks. He plays faster than he looks. He's just an absolute freak of a player. But, John, this defense came ready to play. And, again, it, it, it's it's disappointing because we certainly would never thought we were going to be at this point where we were, you know, we seeing so many deficiencies in the offense. And, you know, now it's like we're rooting and begging for the Cleveland Browns defense to carry them. And for what they did, you held Aaron Rodgers to about 200 yards. Uh, rushing, I think Green Bay ended up somewhere around 100 total. So you hold that offense to 300 total yards. Granted, the three touchdowns all came off of interceptions. You put that all under perspe- perspective in this defense, Don, it's just – it's ridiculously good, and this what gives me a lot of promise if the Browns can get in this scenario where they control their own destiny because most of these guys are probably coming back. If it's COVID-related, they're all going to be coming back. They should be for Pittsburgh. John Johnson's an injury. We'll see how that works. Obviously, Tack McKinley won't be coming back. But this defense, my God, John, it's basically it got to the point where we started to say, oh, it's starting to come around to the point where it's it's here, and it and it's here with a vengeance. Yeah, I mean, you, th- you talk about all the guys that they were missing and the fact that they were still able to hold them to just to 24 points is is really impressive, especially that offense. And yeah, I know that Aaron Rodgers hurt his toe and it was pretty hobbling around and all, but, um, you know, he considered the guys that they were they did not have. It was a, it was an impressive performance. It was sh- definitely shaky in that first half with the touchdowns that they gave up. Obviously, I think uh, Joe Woods did a better job in in the second half of not calling a zero blitz when it comes down to uh, Aaron Rodgers. That's a recipe for disaster. And then putting your, your rookie six-round safety on that guy, on, on Devontae Adams. You, if you're going to do that, you better be uh, doing some type of bracket coverage on Devontae Adams. Um, and granted, if they're going to call that play, you know, if you have like a Denzel Ward or, or Greg Newsom or, you know, somebody like that on him, that's a different story. But you don't have those, you know, you didn't have those guys available, or at least Greg Newsom. So, um you know, I think I think that uh, you know they they shored things up in the second half. They they came, I mean they they held what Rogers like one first down in the fourth quarter or something like that. Multiple three mm-hmm. and outs. Um, that 
I mean, you, you, they allowed the Browns offense to come back into that game, to make it a game, um, you know, and, and have that final drive of potentially winning it, winning it. So um, it, it, you, it's, you're right. They, they made all these acquisitions and those, a lot of those guys didn't, didn't get to play in this game, which is, you know, kind of a good sign of like, Hey, moving forward, you know, what, is, what is it that we need on this defense? It's not really much. It's just keep continuing to build that depth. Um, and you know, from, from the last two weeks of the season, like I we talked about with the offense, how really it, everything was clicking outside the interceptions, the defense playing like the way they've been playing, especially against an elite level offense like that with the, the, the missing pieces that they've had. Um, yeah. You know, you, you have really encouraging signs that they could, they could win the last two games um, because they have a full, full unit that's, that's playing well. And you just gotta, you know, you gotta, gotta make sure that that kicker situation is short up for them now. Uh, screw kicking at this point, John. We're not going to do that anymore. Just give it up. And they, they almost kind of went that path after this extra point. Um, look, it's such a hot and cold business, and it literally is cutthroat. I mean, if you are a kicker in the NFL, and basically your name is not Justin Tucker, it is uh, it is the most unforgiving job to have because you have one job, and you know sometimes all the pressure in the world is based on you performing your one job as opposed to 75 other plays within an NFL football game. Um, so you get yourself some crazy, crazy situations with that. Um, but sticking with it. And now, Miles, look, I mean, we don't know if this is what the best of you know Miles is going to be for the rest of the season. It, it, it may be. And look, he's a trooper to play through this type of injury. Um, but you're starting to see the linebackers, John, again, extremely fast. And, you know, for everybody that wanted to run Joe Woods out of town, it, it, for me, it's just the strangest thing that, you know, I think – the one thing we're truly confident confident in right now with the Cleveland Browns is Joe Woods and the manipulation and the handling of his personnel on defense. I mean, you're talking about the fact you were playing, you know, Javante Moffitt and uh, Richard LeCount. I do want to give MJ Stewart credit. A little curious about MJ Stewart's grade because he's been taking some flack from us, um, and rightfully so, but he certainly seemed, you know, highly involved, um, you know, on Saturday. And, you know, Grant Elpin seems to, you know, the smoothness of his game at times is just so easy to see. Um, and this is, of course, talking about no Roddy Harrison and John Johnson the third. Yeah, MJ Stewart had an 81.2 grade, um, which to me is kind of interesting because he was targeted 10 times, gave up nine catches for 35 yards um, and two touchdowns, right? So, like, two plays were bad. Um, but, uh, you know, that was pretty much it. And he had seven stops. So it's like a mixture of like, yeah, he was bad on, on two touchdowns that he gave up, but, uh, really was excellent outside of that. Um, you talk about the, the linebackers, JOK, uh, was flying around the field and was all over the place. But the problem with he's had the past couple of weeks is that he's, he's been missing tackles left and right. So l- last week he missed three tackles this week, he missed three tackles, um, so that gives him to 14 of the season. He had eight the entire rest of the season, and he's had six the past two games. So he needs to. Um, while you, this love was him one of the things, around. and this was one of the things coming out of Notre Dame that there were some concerns about. Sometimes you know playing at 110, percent 110 percent gets him out of the way of actually making a stop. Yeah, and and he, he's had he's actually it's it's his third game where he's missed a, missed three tackles. Uh, Cardinals game he missed three tackles, and so like fix that. Don't, you know, maybe, maybe just get yourself a little bit under control, break down a little bit better. And and that's a, the, the risk reward factor of how he plays though. Like he's just, he's just knifing in there 
um, and then trying to use his his speed and his power to just bring down the, the ball carrier. Um, and then you, you could argue for, for a large chunk of the season that, that has worked. Uh, but again, like, you know, those that will torpedo your grade, right? So he had a 54 last week is a 53 this week. Missed tackles will torpedo a, a defensive grade when it comes to like that. Cause it's the difference of likely making a positive grade with that tackle. And you're having a big negative for, for missing that tackle. Right. So, um, you know, from, a from the linebackers, like, you know, Anthony Walker is really, really coming to his own in terms of what he's able to do in this defense. Um, and he had been struggling since coming back from his injury. Um, but I think this game was, was one that, Hey, this is the reason why you brought this guy in. He was an 87 in this game, uh, 84.3 in coverage. He was, he was really solid. He did have a missed tackle, but, um, I think that's what you wanted to see from him. And I think that, you know, where the issues lie in the, in the defense, what happened in the first half was, you know, that again, the defensive, the interior defensive line getting massive pushback. So, um, get when you, you know, Togia did not have a really good game in run defense. Um, uh, Sheldon Day had really struggled in that regard. He was a 48 or sorry, 49, 43. Um, and then Malik Jackson was also really poor in, in, in the interior too. So, uh, linebackers may look worse than probably that, you know, maybe the eye test would say because the defensive line continues to get pushed around in the run game, but, um, Linebackers, I thought, you know, played well in this game. Sony Takitaki, again, 79.4 in this game. So he was really solid. Malcolm Smith, 74. So those guys were, were really good in this game. Which is funny for a team that doesn't want to invest anything financially into the linebacker position. Again, now they get more out of the position than they actually spent on it. Just crazy here for the second Two years year in a row now. Would you, yes, would you imagine? Look at that. Look at that. Using that analytic format and uh, finding a way to uh, you know get a W out of it. Crazy, crazy enough. We're going to get here some thoughts. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, Baker's miscues. Um, see about how these next two weeks line up. And obviously, you know, the Browns do not control their own destiny. We will find out at about somewhere between 3, 30, 4 o'clock on Sunday if the Browns are given the opportunity to control their own destiny. We're going to be back here a little bit more on Lockdown Browns. John Costco along for the ride. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college, bowl season, and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website to use our mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. John, I'd be remiss if we didn't actually, you know, talk a little bit of this here and, you know, the turnovers and the four interceptions. I said going into the game and I said after the game, look, the first one, as bad as it was, doesn't totally bother me because this is one thing in order for the Browns to open things up and for Nick Chubb, do you have room to operate? Even if you're not going to be successful, you've got to show a team that you're going to take a shot or two vertical. Granted, it certainly didn't work out. There's no way around it, but it's, it's set up what needed to be done as far as, Hey, you've got to at least honor this some and certainly give a lot of room for Nick Chubb to operate. The two interceptions to Jarvis Landry, the, the, the first one, you know, where, uh, you know, obviously Landry's running the hook. It almost seemed like Baker was stepping 
into the pressure and his offensive lineman, put himself in a situation, footwork, short armed it, all the recipes for which is going to lead a ball to say a ball to sale. Had he just taken two steps to the right, Jarvis Landry moves out to the flat with him. You either set up a very, very easy throw, or you maybe just take off for the first down. You go back to the, I guess maybe it was a wheel route. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Um, was it an underthrown ball? But look, if you throw the ball and your wide receiver's back is to you, 99 out of 100 times, that's going to lead to something bad. Also on that one, though, if you noticed on that throw, there was nothing between Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, and the defensive back who ultimately intercepted the ball. So there may have been another opportunity there to just pick up some yards with your legs. But, John, it's it's definitely mechanics. Um, it's always pressing with Baker because Baker is a guy who wants to try to – you know, get a 13 point throw on one throw. And sometimes obviously that's never going to happen. So you have to, you know, play within yourself, play within your head. Those, you know, those two out of the four for me were the most difficult because they're, they're avoidable, John. They're easily avoidable. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the one that Jar- the, the second one to Jarvis down in, in like the red zone um, after taking a sack, which, you know, was, was face mask, whatever, but like, you still can't, you can't, you're right. Like it's bad mechanics in terms. His feet were wrong. He was he rushed the throw because he kind of felt that pressure being there. And when for Baker, you know, it's it's all about a comfort level thing, right? Like if when he's comfortable and, and feeling it, like he knows to like not the, he knows to have the good rhythm with it, not rushing that. And also again, like if his feet are right, he's not rushing it, right? And he has good mechanics, and he's gonna he's gonna deliver that. Part of that is like like the injuries that he has had it brings inconsistencies into his mechanics and his play. Um, so it's just like all this stuff that continually snowballs for him. Um, and then the, the the third one that he had to, that was to Landry. Yeah. He, he underthrew it. If he just throws it out over the top because they had, they had him beat. He had a, he had the, you know, the slot wheel there um, and Razul Douglas bit on the post that was there. And if he throws that and just, accurately to the sideline you can't underthrow that and you can't leave it inside and he underthrew it and left it inside and if he just at least puts it on the sideline that's never going to be an interception so um you know i'm not really sure what happened with with how badly that was underthrown and why that was underthrown but again he could have run for it but at the same time like the dude was open like down the field put it up over the top and to the sideline you, you got a big play there so he's got to um you know and we, i kind of we had a I didn't I didn't have much of the conversation of this with with Pete and, and Jake Burns, but you know, talking about how like go in this offseason, after he has a shoulder surgery, he really needs to drill down those mechanics and making sure that he's right with his mechanics, so that he's consistent with his mechanics and really kind of figure that out because he's got to retool the way he he approaches his game, I think, in terms of just being able to make consistent throws. You're not, a, nobody's a Patrick Mahomes. There's only, there's, and there's nobody's, there's, there's nowhere Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes out there that on a consistent basis can be off platform, change your arm angle, do all sorts of crazy things because those guys have ridiculously special talent. Like look at Josh Allen. Everybody talks about him as a, having this monster, great, you know, really great arm. And he does, but he has to have his mechanics right all the time. Otherwise he's going to be an inaccurate quarterback. And the same things with Baker Mayfield, like when Baker Mayfield's mechanics are right. And when he's healthy, he is a top five accurate quarterback in the NFL. So, um, you know, whatever happens this off season after he has the surgery, I don't know what the direction the Browns, you know, front office is going, but you know, Baker Mayfield needs to 
to really make sure that his mechanics are there and on and correct, and then also be able to trust that offensive line that they're going to block it up and then being able to navigate that pocket. So there's, there's issues that Baker has, right? Like you talk about, he's got, he wants to, he's want, you know, what all of the internal stuff that's put out there, he wants to push the ball further down the field and, and take more shots and stuff like that. Like, that's great. Like he should. Right. Um, and you saw that, I think in a two minute drill where they were, they, they ran a play and then they had to hurry up offense and he was audibling to it, like, you know, calling the play and he immediately called for a deep shot and they, they missed on that deep shot. But like, it really kind of seems like that, that is what he wants to do. He's like, all right, give me a one-on-one outside. Let me just try to put it up out there. Right. So I think part of that too, is then getting receivers that can consistently get open on those, but also like Baker has to earn the trust of his coach to call those with doing the right things mechanically. So it's, there's a lot of, a lot of moving pieces with that. And I think that, you know, whenever, whatever Baker has the surgery and he comes from that, he has to hone in on, on those mechanics and maybe think about, you know, changing a couple of things. Also, it might be time for whatever Baker Mayfield's normal offseason routine is. And as far as who he works out with, um, there's always comfortability factor in some of those things. So maybe it's time to maybe go a different route, have somebody else challenge you from a different aspect, a different set of eyes on your game. You know, can always, you know, not necessarily going to hurt at this point. Um, and, and with the, you know, and with the mistakes and the interceptions, and, and you, it, it hurts because, you know, he does not, you know, obviously nothing but wanting to succeed. And, you know, sometimes it's just trying to do more than is there. Sometimes, obviously, you know, as we said, mechanics, things are getting in the way, getting of that nature. And for anybody who's trying to put it all on the injuries for right now, look, you, you can't have it both ways. Third and 16, you throw an absolute seed to Rashard Higgins for a 17-yard reception for a first down. So, look, yes, the injuries are there, but, look, we can't use them when something goes wrong. And then say, oh, well, he's overcoming it. Yeah. Something goes right here. Exactly. It's, it's, there's decision making that comes into play that knowing when, when to make a deep shot, like that first interception or whatever, right? Like you say, you're not too bothered by it. But again, it's a decision. It's a decision of two throws. It was a poor throw. There's double. no doubt about it. But the, yeah. the premise of it needed to yeah. happen. You, you need to, you need to stretch it, right? I think, and I think that's true. I think they call this, it's not a play that they don't, ever call right they they call that yankee concept where you got a post from from one side and you got a deep over from the other and it's an it's a usually a sim, pretty simple read is like all right is is the safety driving on that deep over you throw the post if the safety staying back you throw the deep the deep over and if both are covered you usually have a check down that's in the flat that you can get it to um and they they it's, it's a you know it's a play that they run frequently throughout the season um and it's just for whatever reason, Baker hasn't pulled the trigger on, on either one of those. Um, and this time he decided to, it's like, I'm, I'm just going to hopefully put it up. And my guy, my, my guy that's six foot four going to go up and get it. Um, but it's, it's, you're taking a risk when you do that. Right. So it, it is what it is, but. All right, John, we've got eight games left here in the AFC North. Most important game to this point, as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned right now, they're not even involved in Chiefs Bengals on Sunday. Um, we'll see how that plays out. You know, then we'll get into you know whether or not Monday night means anything, whether or not Week 18 will mean anything. John, gun to your head. Come Monday night in Pittsburgh, Browns still breathing or no? Yeah, yes, I think so because I think a the the the, the Bengals. It's tough because the Bengals are, are hot and they're really good. Their offense is really good. So like that that game against the, the Chiefs is going to be a barn burner 
But I think with the Chiefs, the Chiefs are at home, correct? The Chiefs at home? You know, if the regardless if the Chiefs are home or not, they're going to be up for that game because that a number one seed is on the line for them. Um, no, they're at they're at Cincinnati. It is in Cincinnati, yes. Man, man, I should go to that game. But um, that's that's a game that the Bengals obviously are fighting for their playoff lives. And that one, they win that. They're, I think they clinch the division if with, with a win with that. Um, win ten, yes. And for the Chiefs, they they win that, and they might lock up that number one seed, which is hugely important. As opposed to like pre, you know previous years where like you know a one or a two seed is still fine. They, you know now with the new format with the seven teams and only one bye, the number one seed is that much more important. So I think they they understand that. So that's going to be a, a tough battle. And um, you know the Chiefs are cooking at the right time as long as they don't have any COVID issues like with you know Kelsey's back and you know um, Patrick Mahomes doesn't somehow land on on the COVID list. I think the Chiefs should win that. So I think it should be. The Browns should be alive Monday night. They should they they should beat the, the Steelers, and it's going to come down to a win and in type situation for Week 18 against the Bengals at home. You want a playoff? Crazy. You want a playoff home playoff game? That is a home playoff game right there. If that happens, with the chance to run it back a week later and actually do it for real. Um, and I've kind of dubbed it this, John, and obviously we're getting a little short on time. Are we sure anybody really wants to win the AFC North? Are we really sure that anybody wants it? Or is this going to be like, is it going to kind of end up where the teacher said, all right, Jimmy, it's you. You know, this, this, the Bengals are, you know, have won two in a row. So they definitely want it. Uh, the Ravens and the Steelers definitely, part of it is Ravens are playing with their third turn quarterback. I didn't think they were ever going to beat this, the win this game, especially with how the, no. the Bengals offense kicking it all. But yeah, I mean, it's, does anybody really I mean, want it? This way, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson doesn't play in the secondary, so that five twenty-five was happening either way. Oh yeah, and Burrow played awesome. Like Burrow's the number one graded quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, he's got a 90, 90 like ninety point eight grade or whatever. Might be the MVP of the league. You know, it, it's how good he's playing. It's you know his offense has really kind of like let him down at times. So um, I, the Bengals definitely want it. They've won two in a row, but the, the Steelers don't seem to want it. The Ravens don't seem to want it. They've they've lost a couple in a row now. So. You know, we'll see when Browns have lost two in a row. So it's it's the Bengals are are kind of taking it, and and we'll see what happens this week. Uh, if if they re- how much they really want it, uh, they're at home against the Chiefs. You no better scenario for them to to control their own destiny. As we all predicted, as we all predicted, the Cincinnati Bengals controlling their own destiny towards an AFC North title in twenty 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 one. Crazy, 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 crazy. He is John Cox. Go from the pro. Um, I'm sorry, PFF. We don't say that anymore. Um, you know, John's obviously been along for the Underlens segment now for a couple seasons. Uh, I know you guys appreciate the episodes. We always appreciate John's time. Uh, we'll be back here next week. Obviously, a big day later after the Pittsburgh Steelers game. We'll see exactly where the cards are standing, essentially. Go jump in here, what, John. What, what you got? I'm, I'm going to just do a little plug whatever. There's a 50% off PFF subscriptions right now with, an, with the, I think the, the, the promo code is elite up. So, and that goes through the, you know, through the new year. So it's like a Christmas gift, half off of, of elite subscription. Can't really, can't really defeat that. So might want to check that out folks. It's maybe getting closer to renewal time. So maybe check that out over at PFF. Make sure you're following John Costco three. Uh, I am your host, Jeff Lloyd at Jeff underscore, uh, 
LJ underscore Lloyd. Show itself at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. Uh, appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen day in, day out. Whatever platform you use for your podcast, make sure you are subscribed and following the Lockdown Browns podcast. Five-star ratings, written reviews. It is the holiday season, kids. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with that being said, look, Browns still alive. As terrible as this year has been, the amount of downs versus ups, the Browns still in it as we go to week 17 in the 2021 NFL season. With that being said, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound LGB on the LOB.